Section 81 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle Chapter 25, verses 14 to 30 Parable of the Talents This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30 For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his lord's money. After a long time the lord of those servants cometh, and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came, and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered him, and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The parable of the talents, which we have now read, is near akin to that of the ten virgins. Both direct our minds to the same important event, the second advent of Jesus Christ. Both bring before us the same persons, the members of the professing church of Christ. The virgins and the servants are one and the same people, but the same people regarded from a different point and viewed on different sides. The practical lesson of each parable is the main point of the difference. Vigilance is the keynote of the first parable, diligence that of the second. The story of the virgins calls on the church to watch, the story of the talents calls on the church to work. We learn in the first place, from this parable, that all professing Christians have received something from God. We are all God's servants. 
we have all talents entrusted to our charge. The word talents is an expression that has been curiously turned aside from its original meaning. It is generally applied to none but people of remarkable ability or gifts. They are called talented people. Such a use of the expression is a mere modern invention. In the sense in which our Lord used the word in this parable, it applies to all baptized persons without distinction. We have all talents in God's sight. We are all talented people. Anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all our talents. Whence come these things? What hand bestowed them? Why are we what we are? Why are we not the worms that crawl on the earth? There is only one answer to these questions. All that we have is alone from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts. We learn, in the second place, that many make a bad use of the privileges and mercies they receive from God. We are told in the parable of one who digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. That man represents a large class of mankind. To hide our talents is to neglect opportunities of glorifying God when we have them. The Bible despiser, the prayer neglecter, and the Sabbath breaker, the unbelieving, the sensual, and the earthly-minded, the trifler, the thoughtless, and the pleasure-seeker, the money-lover, the covetous, and the self-indulgent, all, all are alike burying their Lord's money in the ground. They have all light that they do not use. They might all be better than they are, but they are all daily robbing God. He has lent them much, and they make him no return. The words of Daniel to Belshazzar are strictly applicable to every unconverted person. The God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Daniel chapter 5 verse 23. We learn in the third place that all professing Christians must one day have a reckoning with God. The parable tells us that, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. There is a judgment before us all. Words have no meaning in the Bible, if there is none. It is mere trifling with Scripture to deny it. There is a judgment before us according to our works, certain, strict, and unavoidable. High or low, rich or poor, learned or unlearned, we shall all have to stand at the bar of God and to receive our eternal sentence. There will be no escape. Concealment will be impossible. We and God must at last meet face to face. We shall have to render an account of every privilege that was granted to us, and of every ray of light that we enjoyed. We shall find that we are dealt with as accountable and responsible creatures, and that to whomsoever much is given, of them much will be required. Let us remember this every day we live. 
let us judge ourselves that we be not condemned of the Lord. We learn, in the fourth place, that true Christians will receive an abundant reward in the great day of reckoning. The parable tells us that the servants who had used their Lord's money well were commended as good and faithful, and told to enter into the joy of their Lord. These words are full of comfort to all believers, and may well fill us with wonder and surprise. The best of Christians is a poor, frail creature, and needs the blood of atonement every day that he lives. But the least and lowest of believers will find that he is counted among Christ's servants, and that his labor has not been in vain in the Lord. He will discover to his amazement that his master's eye saw more beauty in his efforts to please him than he ever saw himself. He will find that every hour spent in Christ's service, and every word spoken on Christ's behalf, has been written in a book of remembrance. Let believers remember these things, and take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but the glorious reward shall make amends for all. Well says Lighten, Here some drops of joy enter into us, but there we shall enter into joy. We learn in the last place that all unfruitful members of Christ's church will be condemned and cast away in the day of judgment. The parable tells us that the servant who buried his master's money was condemned as wicked, slothful, and unprofitable, and cast into outer darkness. And our Lord adds the solemn words, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no excuse for an unconverted Christian at the last day. The reasons with which he now pretends to satisfy himself will prove useless and vain. The judge of all the earth will be found to have done right. The ruin of the lost soul will be found to be his own fault. Those words of our Lord, Thou knewest, are words that ought to ring loudly in many a man's ears, and prick him to the heart. Thousands are living at this day without Christ and without conversion, and yet pretending that they cannot help it. And all this time they know in their own conscience that they are guilty. They are burying their talent. They are not doing what they can. Happy are they who find this out betimes. It will all come out at the last day. Let us leave this parable with a solemn determination, by God's grace, never to be content with a profession of Christianity without practice. Let us not only talk about religion, but act. Let us not only feel the importance of religion, but do something too. We are not told that the unprofitable servant was a murderer, or a thief, or even a waster of his Lord's money. But he did nothing and this was his ruin. Let us beware of a do-nothing Christianity. Such Christianity does not come from the Spirit of God. To do no harm, says Baxter, is the praise of a stone, not of a man. End of section 81